0: Good afternoon. Today is Wednesday the 6th of December 2023, just after one o'clock. Welcome to UK Column News. Your host today, myself Brian Gerrish, delighted to be here with Mike Robinson. And uh, we're also joined by Debbie Evans, our nursing correspondent.
1: Um, we're going to start with Andrew Bridgen in the House of Commons, well in fact in Portcullis House on that Monday evening. So here's uh, what he was tweeting out earlier today. Uh, on the 4th of December. An absolute delight to host medical experts, doctors, and scientists presenting evidence to explain excess deaths, vaccine harms, and other subjects in the UK and around the world. I was delighted to see so many MPs, lords, and supporters in attendance. The evidence is unequivocal. So uh, let's just first of all look at the uh, people who did attend. Uh, obviously, Andrew Bridgen attended, but Ian Paisley Jr., Sammy Wilson, Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, so all the Northern Ireland DUP MPs at least, uh, Paul Gervin, Carla Lockhart, uh, David Davis, Desmond Swain. Now, I understand Dev- Desmond Swain left early for some reason, but uh, Jonathan Lord, Heather Wheeler, David Jones, Philip Hollibone, Neil Hanvey, Duncan Baker, Sir Christopher Chope, Sir George Haworth, uh, Sir John Redwood, Ben Lake, Sir Robert Sims, Dean Russell, Sir Geoffrey Clinton-Brown, Carl McCartney and Mary Glendon, who uh, put her head around the corner uh, for a couple of minutes. Uh, and that was uh, that was the list of MPs. Uh, a few didn't turn, including uh, turn up, including Ross Dilbert. At least had the courtesy to email personal apologies for that. They had other things to do. Uh, but uh, let's just uh, next have a look at one comment from uh, Dr. Ryan Cole uh, on uh, nanoparticles.
2: The lipid nanoparticles clearly stayed on their safety data sheets. These are not for human and not for veterinary use. These are for research purposes only, yet they went into 5 billion people around the world.
1: So this was the the type of presentation. Uh, Some presentations had graphics and slides, some didn't, Uh, but this was the type of information that was being given to other MPs. Now the feedback that I've seen uh, from the MPs, from some of the MPs that attended was uh, that it was uh, hugely uh, interesting and challenging. Uh, event and give, has given them a lot to think about, uh, and so this perhaps is progress, and I certainly expect that it is progress. Um, let's have a look at a couple of the uh, tweets that were sent. This is Sonia Elijah here, uh, covering uh, Professor Angus Dogleish talking about more. Uh, his quote here is, more likely to suffer from serious adverse event from an mRNA jab than be ho- hospitalized from COVID. He was showing the data to support that. Uh, And then we've got uh, Steve Kirch here saying death estimates from COVID shots, 13 million people worldwide, uh, 675,000 U.S. deaths, 100,000 U.K. deaths. Uh, And we have uh, a little uh, clip here from Steve Kirch uh, talking about this. So sign a message
0: to all the world's governments. Release the COVID shot record level data now. This should be released in all countries of the world who vaccinate people. If the vaccine is safe and effective, why are you keeping this information secret?
1: And this is a hugely important uh, question. And in fact, uh, Sonia, Elijah tweeting this this question out, why is the UK's ONS hiding the data? And this is the question that I think that, uh, of anything that came out of the uh, of the event, this is the key question that we need to be focusing on at the moment. Uh, and perhaps people need to be uh, or encouraging the ONS to release the data as much as they possibly can. Um, I'm going to say, Debbie, that in my view, this was, uh, uh, sorry, before I say this, I should mention that uh, uh, Ben Rubin uh, attended the event on our behalf. Uh, and so he will have uh, no doubt something to say about it on Friday. But, uh, Debbie, let me ask you this, because it seems to me that this was a successful event in the sense that, first of all, Andrew Bridgen managed to attract at least some MPs to come and lords uh, to come and listen to what was being said. And the feedback so far seems to be that they're not simply dismissing it as conspiracy theory and nonsense. So, uh, you know, to some degree, progress has been made here.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And good afternoon, everyone, from a very chilly Cornwall. But I I agree, it was a completely resounding success. Um, I don't think we've ever seen so many MPs, Lords in attendance. Um, And I would say congratulations to Andrew Bridgen, because from what I'm hearing, a lot of MPs and people that attended are asking far more questions now than they were before. So I think we should all be incredibly buoyed up by this news.
1: Uh, Yes. uh, And uh, sorry, just want to also finally mention uh, that on the UK column website at the moment on the front page, uh, there's a link uh, to the Pfizer reports that the Daily Cloud are putting out at the moment. Um, And uh, so we will have more to talk about on this perhaps on Friday, but we we are going to be doing a lot more on uh, helping to uh, uh, promote the work that the Daily Cloud's uh, been doing on the issue of Pfizer. Uh, And uh, Debbie, I don't know if you want to comment on that.
3: Well, yes, again, it's very exciting, and um, we're absolutely delighted to be able to be linking up with the Clout in order to get this information to you first here at the UK column. So there'll be links on the on the front of the website, which Mike is organising, um, but it's an amazing link. So please do watch out for those.
1: Okay, thank you, Debbie. Now let's uh, move on then to Moderna. In fact.
3: Yeah, let's move on to Moderna, which tags in quite nicely, actually, with Andrew, all Andrew Bridgen's work and what we've just been hearing about mRNA, because we know that Moderna are are predominantly an mRNA company. They say they're an mRNA company, and there's hundreds of mRNA products coming down the pipeline. These are very dangerous. They shouldn't be used. Please keep your eyes out. But I want to concentrate on another angle that Moderna are going down. So first of all, I found out that they decided that they're going to be everything and anything in AI. They're uniquely positioned to scale up AI because they've got the most massive library of data. Well, doesn't that surprise us? Um, They say they're on a mission to have AI absolutely everywhere. Now they're still pushing out these jabs despite admitting serious adverse reactions. So let's have a look at their latest advert from Moderna
2: when it comes to your health you do you you ping and pong that body you plunge that body you green that body you brain power that body you practice and practice that body you make it rain that body you flu shot that body. And now you spike vax that body. Because even though the pandemic is over, COVID-19 isn't. Spike vax by Moderna is a vaccine to help protect you against COVID-19. You shouldn't get spike vax if you've had an allergic reaction to spike vax or its ingredients. Rare cases of inflammation of the heart muscle and outer lining have been reported. The most common side effects are injection site pain, redness and swelling, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, and fever. Make vaccination against COVID-19 a part of your health routine. Spike Vax That Body with Spike Vax by Moderna.
3: I don't suppose many of us are ready to Spike Vax our body. And did you note there that they were actually admitting to heart disease, myocarditis, they were referring to, and to serious adverse reactions. Um, So I came across this article, which is fascinating, and I just want to disseminate a little bit of it. Now, it's come from Unheard. I'm going to jump in and out of it, so bear with me. This article is entitled, Moderna is spying on you. New documents reveal its attempts to control the vaccine debate. Two amazing journalists here, Li Fang and Jack Paulson. So let's go and have a little look at what they're saying. In And I would really recommend everyone go and read the, the whole article because it's, it's fire. It really is. Uh, so they say the most important thing for Moderna is that people keep having their jabs. Smart ads are part of that but more important is to push back aggressively against any prevailing anti-vax narrative and engage where possible in any discussions around vaccine policy. That's where the Moderna disinformation department carries uh, uh, comes in. So let's carry on with the article a little bit, and we'll see that behind the scenes... They've been working with law enforcement officials, public health officials to monitor and influence, influence vaccine policy, but they've also been working with public good projects. So I went to look and see who public good projects are, and basically they're a non-profit organisation specialising in large-scale media monitoring programmes, social and behaviour change interventions and cross-sector initiatives and so, what are they uh, experts in particular? Well, if we flip to the next slide, you can see that they are experts in infectious disease and vaccine, amongst other things. So they're they're. They're looking at social and behavior changes involved in this and vaccine hesitancy. So where are they, who who are they linked up with? Well, what they're doing is they're tracking and tracing all social media platforms. So they're looking at TikTok, they're looking at Facebook, they're looking at YouTube um, and they're looking at basic, um, your basic platforms right across the internet and they're tracking misinformation. They seem to be experts in everything. So let's go back to the unheard. So just remember that, the public good projects. So then we go back to look at the article and we can see Moderna. This is where they're using the AI as well. They're using Talkwalker, which uses a blue silk artificial intelligence to monitor vaccine-related conversations across 150 million websites in nearly 200 countries So let's have a look at Talkwalker. And when we look at Talkwalker, we can see that actually Talkwalker is uh, an influencer. It's misinformation. It's a social communication listening platform. So they're listening to all of the debates, comments and conversations about vaccine um, misinformation. If we go into them a little bit further, we can see that they hear or they, they allege that they can hear every word and understand every single sentiment. So, you know, these discussions around the world are including Pfizer as well, by the way. But I mean, the fact that a, a pharmaceutical company is listening and monitoring every single social platform, we know the government is monitoring us and censoring us, but who knew that Moderna had a disinformation department? But who's running it? So the monitoring team includes uh, this lady, Professor Nikki Ruttman who's from Nichols College. Now, you can see she spent nearly 20 years uh, with the FBI. She was working uh, from the Boston office during Operation Warp Speed. And she's um, one of the many former law enforcement agencies uh, agents that are now working with vaccine makers. And this isn't just Moderna this is all of the vaccine manufacturers so looking at Nikki professor Nikki Rutman's experience you can see she she is the currently the director of global intelligence at Moderna she's she's been there uh, she's been there for a few years now but she did 19 years as an intelligence analyst in the US intelligence community there's the reference to the FBI and notably down there director of national intelligence as an advice on terrorism Terrorism, <coughs> excuse me, to a mission manager. Sorry, Mike, could you carry on reading that?
1: Yes, so to a, a mission manager uh, as a counterintelligence analyst with the Defence Intelligence Agency.
3: Yeah, I do apologise. Sorry. It's the cold down here. I've got a frog in my throat. So if we go one on from Nikki Rutman, we can see that all this has been financed through a 1,275,000 donation from the biotech and innovation organization, who are they? You ask yourself, well, if we go and look at them, we can see that they're an advocacy association. They're literally the trade union for pharmaceutical companies. So we'll flip on one slide from there. Now you can see that they're not only involved in all of this, but they're involved with an infodemic training program. So this is where the um, whole organization links up to an NGO. Which NGO could that be, do you think? Well, there's only one NGO, the World Health Organization. And here they roll out infodemic training where you get too much information, including false or misleading information in digital and physical environments during a disease outbreak. So the final slide on this segment really is just to show you the infodemic insights report here. And in six easy steps, you can see where they're going on the training. So Moderna is listening to you. It's watching you. It's taking your information. It's spying on you.
0: And, and Debbie, if I may, I'll just add, because a couple of those slides were stressing that they were using a, a behavioral psychology, behavioral insights in order to influence people. And that is effectively change their way they think and change their behavior. So this uh, proactive, I'm going to call it political applied psychology, we're now awash with it. Mm. Well, let's move on to the subject of uh, Israel, Gaza. I know this is an extremely emotive subject. I want to say to the audience, how do I approach it? Well, I've got two options. I can be honest and truthful or to the best of my ability and reporting on matters to do with Israel and Gaza, or I could be diplomatic in order to keep our audience comfortable. Uh, My policy is to be factual and truthful, if I can do that to the best of my my ability. So if any of our audience disagree with that, you can email me and tell me why you think I should be diplomatic over truthful. Now, I'm setting this little segment against the backdrop of what I said to the audience on Monday, uh, when I gave a little overview which showed how uh, we had a creeping rise of a dictatorship in the UK. Um, go and have a look at uh, Monday's news if you want to see the detail. But out of this clip, I just wanted to highlight some things. I was saying that in Parliament and local authorities, we got the rise of the Uniparty. I was talking about minimal parliamentary debate on key subjects. I was also talking about the closure of free speech. I was talking about uh, UK special forces being used as a private army at the Cabinet Office. And I was also um, highlighting my concerns about UK intel and security entering into what I described as opaque bilateral agreements. So against that background, let's have a look at uh, some critical things to do with what's happening in the Middle East. I've chosen the standard here and they're reporting on Grant Shapps, no circumstances for UK troops on the ground in the Middle East conflict. But of course, this was was the great lie during Syria, uh, when we were promised no military boots on the ground in Syria and what happened special UK special forces were absolutely put in on the ground now I'm not the only person concerned so uh, let's have a look at what Jeremy Corbyn had to ask um, in the House recently it's very quick there's a repeat of it and I've repeated it uh, because the response to him is so amazing let's have a listen
1: and can he assure us there are no British soldiers on the ground in Gaza?
0: To speak, uh, I, I'm unsurprisingly, I didn't share his assessment or his view of the, of, uh, the, the context. Uh, and of course, it's clear that the Israeli objective is to defend itself against the terrorist group of Hamas.
1: And can he assure us there are no British soldiers on the ground in Gaza?
0: To speak, uh, I, of, unsurprisingly, I did not share his assessment or his view of the of uh, the the context. Uh, and of course, it's clear that the Israeli objective is to defend itself against the terrorist group of Hamas. Well, really, I pass back to our audience. Did you understand the response? Because I found it incredibly difficult. But I think what we were witnessing was cognitive dissonance. That that simple question was so potent. Um, Leo Doherty could not give a coherent answer to it. Now, let's uh, look at uh, what Jeremy Corbyn followed up with, and all credit to him here, because a lot of people have been saying, where is Jeremy Corbyn? Um, But on his Twitter feed, he put out this, today I've written to the Foreign Secretary demanding urgent clarification, and uh, he included his uh, letter. So if we bring this up on the screen, and I think it's important to read it. So I'll do that as quickly as I can. Dear Foreign Secretary, yesterday on the 4th of December, the Parliamentary Under Secretary of State for Foreign Commonwealth and Development Affairs answered an urgent question on the humanitarian situation in Gaza. I asked the minister if he could assure the House that there were no British soldiers on the ground in Gaza. The minister refused to answer. His failure to provide this assurance is extremely alarming. More than 15,000 people have been killed in Gaza, including 6,000 children. 1.8 million people have been displaced. Almost half of all housing units have been destroyed. The UK government already provides ample political support to an Israeli army that is committing war crimes in front of our eyes. Could you confirm whether the UK government is providing military personnel too? In the aftermath of horror, we need voices for peace. The terrorist attack by Hamas was deplorable and must be condemned. That cannot justify the massacre of the Palestinian people who are being punished for a crime they did not commit. We are witnessing unconscionable death, destruction. People in this country have a right to know if British troops are involved in in its execution And uh, finally, I'd like to take this opportunity to reissue our demand for an immediate and and, uh, permanent ceasefire. So I don't think anybody can uh, complain with what he's asked for in that letter. But the main thing is a complete lack of transparency as to what the British government is up to. And I'm going to bring people's attention back on to what is happening between British military and Israeli military. I've chosen BICOM, the British Israel Communications and Research Centre report here. I had to look at this photograph twice because I thought they were holding hands at one stage, but uh, of course that's not the case. Uh, But here is all the detail about the British Armed Forces and the Israeli Defence Forces signing a joint agreement to strengthen their relationship. Well, my question is, uh, what is this relationship was it ever discussed in Parliament? And did the public uh, ever really know what was happening? I would suggest not. And I'm going to add to this that we've already got reports now about supposed British v- veterans, a very glamorous British veteran, trying to join Israel Defence Forces to fight against Hamas. We've got the joy- Jewish voice for Labour here British fighters in Israel's military. Is it legal? Well, that is the real question. Is it legal in a constitutional sense in UK? And here's Sky News reporting the sad death of a British teenager killed in Gaza while fighting for the Israeli defence forces. So I'm going to suggest we have no idea what uh, the British government is up to with a relationship to the war in Gaza. But one thing we can be very clear of, we are fully involved in the despicable military action on the civilians in Gaza.
1: Uh, As we are in Ukraine as well, of course. Indeed. Um, Okay. If you like what the UK Column does, you would like to support us, please head over to community.ukcolumn.org. You can join us there. Your membership much needed and appreciated. Uh, You could uh, pick something up at the UK Column shop. Uh, And I just want to mention that uh, thank you to everybody that has pre-ordered one of the um, UK Column Flasks. Um, flasks yeah thank you very much for that they are now and have arrived in stock at last so we'll be getting those out to you tomorrow um so please uh, if you see anything else on the shop you'd like to grab uh, please do so but do share anything you find on the various platforms especially ukcolumn.org UKColumnExtracts.co.uk.
0: okay debbie you've got a blog reported
3: indeed this week smartphones uh do you suffer with nomophobia uh, you might be surprised to find out what it is and a fascinating insight from a youtuber from the insurance company uh, confirming that they are coming for our cars and norovirus a vomiting bug. sorry just before christmas but it's come back with a vengeance
1: uh, now a little while ago we put out uh, the interview i did with chris williamson uh, on the live stream and of, of course i've It took a little while to get that on the website for various reasons. So apologies to Chris for that, but it has been up for a couple of days now. So if you'd like to have a look on the UK Column website, the front page, uh, you'll find that discussion there. Uh, And uh,
0: Well, this one, uh, the the title is on screen, Stuart Wayton grooming by the state, the need for a Scottish union for education. And uh, that's one of the last interviews with David Scott. Stuart uh, giving some good information there, so you might like to watch that. Also put up an ad for No Smoke Without Fire. That's myself and Debbie. Uh, We're looking at Prevent and what it is doing Uh, across UK so if you do not know what prevent is um, have a look on the UK column website for this report and if you're a military veteran in UK you certainly need to understand what we're talking about here because you are absolutely in the firing line and uh, Debbie one for you again I think um, Thursday at one o'clock will be an interview with Ed Dowd
3: Yeah, a great conversation with Ed Dowd, who's done the most phenomenal research on PIP data in the UK and has come up with some extraordinary data regarding excess deaths.
0: Okay, thank you for that. Uh, This one I'd like to pop up on the screen. A very long-term supporter of the UK column has been doing some really excellent work um, challenging the BBC and asking why they refuse to um, report on child abuse when the facts are being given to them. Uh, this gentleman is in the firing line, but the suggestion is that he is himself being misled by the BBC. So he is the BBC's investigative expert, uh, an ex-Met police officer of 13 years. But it appears that the BBC internally is refusing to give him information that Patricia is sending through. So this is really, I think, a very big story. We're just giving you a taster here, but we'll cover more of it in due course. And a big thank you to uh, these uh, viewers. Uh, This one pointed out that the video clip we showed um, on Monday as well, I think it was, was uh, West Midlands Police Sergeant. And uh, this has come from the channel Auditing Britain. And we just wanted to give recognition to Auditing Britain uh, because uh, that channel is doing some really excellent work. And this one here is um, uh, from New Zealand, if I remember correctly. We had a little bit of a discussion about the uh, World Health Organization and health regulations. And the key bit, bit was that between both of us in UK and NZ uh, we were saying that every little bit helps when you're challenging the system. So I'll leave that one there. Uh,
1: Debbie, let's uh, move on to health issues.
3: Yes. uh, Before I do, sorry about the coughing fit during my Moderna segment, but I would just like to add that on that Moderna's high risk profiles is Russell Brand, uh, Novak Djokovic and uh, Elon Musk. So please do go and check that article out. But yes, going back into health, the UK Biobank, um, they have got this huge database. In fact, it's a mass of medical data that is key to genetic research. Let's go and have a look a little bit further and you'll see that we're, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of volunteers here recording physical activity. This is the world's most important health database, our most significant scientific asset, where 30,000 researchers want this data and 100 countries want the data. So it's very important. Jumping onto to Palantir, <coughs> we can see that the NHS have now decided that uh, they're facing a lawsuit for groups have um, taken this to court now to say that Palantir doesn't need to be doing this and actually the federated data platform is completely unnecessary. If you want to jump to the next slide, there you go, just shows you there that um, they are creating uh, a legal case now to to go against this. I want to just touch on nursing because the doctor strikes were mentioned um, Last night, doctors, junior doctors are going back out on strike for a huge amount, period, six days in the new year. But the NMC has released its mid-year update. They're the regulator for nurses. So let's have a look inside what it says. 808,488 registered professionals in the last six months. However, the biggest rise was nursing associates. And as far as I can make out, nursing associates seem to be the new state enrolled nurse being rolled in and as you can see there we've got huge um, increase coming from overseas, Ghana in particular, India and sadly Romanian nurses going down that probably because of Brexit and our dear friend Eleanor of course who's Romanian so we're seeing a decrease in some areas but also what we're seeing is a lack of support for nursing and it's called preceptorship and they're saying that nurses aren't getting enough support um, during their training they're not getting enough support when they're qualified so the nursing times um carried out a survey and decided that actually nurses needed much more preceptorship so let's go and have a look at preceptorship what what does that mean (coughs) excuse me what it means basically is that they're not receiving, registered practitioners are not receiving the support that they need. Now, this goes very much in line with Project 2000. This isn't what we used to get. <laughs> when we were training, we used to get lots of support because we went to a nursing school. We didn't go to university. So I can see that the support for nurses is simply not there, but they are. They need to look back at my day when we did have the support so nursing's a big a big subject because I think nurses may go on strike again soon. They're very upset with the consultants being um, awarded a pay deal. And of course, now we're seeing the backlash from junior doctors. Meanwhile, we've got hundreds of thousands of people with serious adverse reactions. But the UK HSA think that they need to inform the WHO of one case of influenza, H1N1. Um, and this, this was found, uh, it's a, a swine flu. It was one case. The person's recovered, no problems at all, but clearly you can see that they are going to keep us under surveillance for that, so so watch out. (coughs) Now, hypocrisy. Let's look at hypocrisy. Nissan are to build three new electric car models in Sunderland with £200 million of state money. However, all these electric cars, I'm not quite sure how we're going to sustain them, because clearly Sky were putting out this story this week that the National Grid are going to be asking people, those that with smart meters, please could you restrict your supply because the grid can't cope um, or the grid might not be able to cope. Now they're saying it's only precautionary, so we mustn't worry. However, the Times yesterday's front page was, don't panic, but stock up on candles, batteries and torches. Now, this came from uh, Oliver Dowden, who is actually the deputy prime minister, and I'd forgotten all about him. And he says that we need to be more resilient. And there's 89 possible UK threats. So I went to the National Risk Register to have a look. And uh, they've got all of these campaigns going, the run, hide and tell the Weather Ready campaign, the Cyber Aware campaign, and of course, we've got the emergency alerts. Now, I just went to the contents because honestly, there are so many risks. Oh, sorry. Yes, just to to indicate that it was Oliver Dowden that has presented this paper and he wrote the forward, but I've just screenshot a couple of the contents, the pages of the contents, Because honestly, it covers absolutely everything. Communities, terrorism, cyber attacks, biological, radiological, nuclear attacks, malicious attacks, assassination of high profile figures, aviation collisions, rail accidents. Flip on to the next slide and you'll see some more drone incidents, flooding, grid, chemical release, water infrastructure failures. So as you can see, there's a lot of risks pertaining to the UK. So keep an eye out for those.
0: and, and Can I just add, Debbie, and, and of course, what, what is all this doing? It's making people anxious and fearful across a whole spectrum of subjects. And if people are anxious and fearful, one, they're easier to control. And that's what the Behavioural Insights team then follow up with. But of course, if you're anxious and stressed, you're more likely to be So is this an attack on not only the minds of the population in UK, but their physical health as well?
1: Uh, Well, it is indeed. So uh, let's bring someone on screen. Uh, And of course, he's coughing. Uh, Maybe Debbie has the 100 day cough, but we've all got to be afraid about this uh, because we've got to be very afraid. 100 day cough. This is, of course, is nothing new. It's a rebranding exercise. So I just took this from Plymouth Live, but this is across all the Mirror Group local newspapers, as far as I can see. A Highly contagious 100-day cough sweeping across the country. There has been a 250% increase in cases with five symptoms to watch for, as the potentially deadly illness leaves people sick for months. This is the nonsense that we're getting from from the, the mainstream press at the moment. Uh, it is uh, an effort to uh, play with people's minds. It is fear, porn, if you want to use that word. Um, uh, because, of course, Debbie, what we're talking about here is whooping cough. Now, I hadn't realized that 100-day cough is is a term that's been used synonymously with whooping cough for quite some time. Uh, it's not, a very, not used very often. It's not mm-hmm. very common. It's not something that people are generally aware of. So what we've got here is a rebranding exercise in order to try to, put fear into people. And of course, what are they selling? They're selling vaccines at the end of the day. Um, but you know, this is, uh, this is a disease, Debbie, that we've been living with for a very long time. We understand it fairly well, and there's no need to try to put this kind of fear on people.
3: Absolutely not. I mean, whooping cough's been around for as long as I can remember. In fact, one of my children had whooping cough and made a A pretty unremarkable, which is a good recovery. But it's the same with chickenpox, isn't it? We sent kids to pox parties and now all of a sudden it's any excuse to roll in a vaccine. Literally any excuse.
1: Yes, but don't worry, the fear doesn't end there because, of course, we've got a new COVID variant coming along and that's JN.1. That's going to make thousands ill over Christmas. Yeah. Did you have... No, 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 I was just
0: smiling as you were making the report. Yeah, yes, Mike, yes. It's,
1: it's incredible. Experts say there's mutation in the new strain, which makes it even more infectious. So we've got to be scared about that. Well, look, if the mainstream press is uh, talking misinformation and disinformation and, and harmful comments like this, what's the latest on the online safety bill? Uh, well, of course, it's all about porn and pornography. So uh, this is uh, graphic was pushed out by, the, by Ofcom uh, yesterday. Uh, they're telling us that children are the first to see online porn at age 13 on average. That 10% of children have seen it by the age of nine. 79% have seen violent porn by the age of 18. So we've got to stop this immediately, according to Ofcom. Uh, but of course, we're not stopping it in our schools, are we? Because we're pushing out uh, sex education in an age-inappropriate way in many cases. We've shown these graphics before. Uh, you know, This is the type of thing that's being given to children in schools. Uh, we don't have to worry about that, but we do have to worry about access to porn uh, online. And, uh, well, what are Ofcom saying we've got to do about it? Well, we've got to uh, make uh, platforms responsible for uh, providing age assurance checks. Now, this is something that I've been talking about for some time with respect to Online Safety Act uh, and the bill as it was. Uh, and what Ofcom is saying is that age sec- secure, sorry, age assurance checks could include photo ID matching Uh, Facial recognition estimation, credit card checks, could be any of these. But they're saying very clearly that weaker age checks such as self-declaration will not be enough. So what else are they talking about? They're talking about open banking. Uh, They're talking about photo identification matching, as I say, that's where users can upload a photo ID document uh, such as a driving license or a passport. Now, do you want to upload that to a porn site? I'm not sure that people would want to do that, but anyway, okay. Facial age estimation. So uh, they want to take a photograph of your face and make a a judgment on what age you are from there. Uh, Mobile network operator, checks, uh, credit card checks. Uh, But here's the one that, of course, we've been warning was coming, digital identity wallets. Uh, And so this is about pushing digital ID. Uh, That's where we're heading to. Uh, And it is evident that younger people are already starting to buy into this type of uh, digital ID infrastructure. Um, and as I say, weaker age checks such as self-declaration will not be enough, says Ofcom. So that is coming. And of course, porn and child safety being used as the excuse. Uh, but I think we know that uh, when it comes to education, at least, uh, child safety is not a consideration. And just to make sure that the mainstream, we provide evidence that the mainstream media is fully complicit in this agenda. This is just an article that appeared in Plymouth Live uh, today. Uh, again, this is Mirror Group. Uh, You should watch Love Actually with Children and talk about porn. A sexual health health expert says Christmas film is the perfect way to open up conversations about porn, sex, plastic surgery and consent. And when you read on down through the article, they're talking about exactly this issue of uh, children having access to porn. uh, And really, that's a terrible thing. Let's just remember that access to porn for children could be that issue could be resolved without digital ID checks by simply requiring all porn sites to perhaps uh, live under a .xxx domain, uh, and then give parents the tools uh, to make sure that children aren't able to access all .xxx domains. There are many ways to solve this problem without fulfilling uh, one of the uh, government's key uh, policy targets for the control of the mass population. Yeah, well,
0: we wait, but I don't think anything will happen, we'll see. I'm going to return to the subject of Gaza, and I make no apology for picking up on some uh, Guardian reporting here, which I think is really significant. We're going back to March of 2019. Uh, Here's the picture. I think what we're looking at there is white phosphorus, but maybe somebody can tell me otherwise. Uh, Buried in it is the headline, Gaza border protests, 190 killed and 28,000 injured in a year of bloodshed. Using UN data, we expect who has been affected, how they were injured and what life is like in Gaza today. Encourage people to go and find this article and read it. I've taken a little bit out of it, but uh, it's saying that one year ago, Palestinians were trapped in Gaza and they began a protest movement at the frontier with Israel that was intended to last six weeks. Men, women and children demanded recognition of the right of Israel refugees in Gaza and elsewhere to return to their ancestral homes in Israel. Israel and for an end to a punishing blockade that has made life quote unlivable Israeli snipers fired live ammunition killing and maiming dozens this le- lethal response on the 30th of March 2018 triggered anger and disbelief across the world but has not stopped. And of course, it certainly has not stopped because now we've got even worse things happening. But it's talking about thousands having bullet wounds, particularly in their legs. And there's graphics included in the article. uh, This one here highlighting 29,000 Palestinians injured and more than 190 killed at the time. We're going back in time here. This isn't current. And an infographic there giving you a scale of... uh, of those killed versus the immense numbered injured. Another headline, women and children make up more than one in four of those injured and killed. Again, this is at the time. This is not the recent uh, violence in Gaza, but it's all horrific. Now, what is the point of this? Well, if we go back to 2021, the ICC was ruling that it could investigate alleged war crimes in Palestine, uh, despite Israeli objections. And another good report from the Guardian here, Palestinian Authority welcomes the ruling that could see prosec- prosecution of Israeli officials and military, as well as Hamas figures. So it appears there was balance in what the international court was trying to do. But let's have a look in a little bit more detail at the key points. ICC cleared its chief prosecutor to investigate alleged atrocities, including the alleged killing of more than 200 Palestinians and 40 children during Gaza frontier demonstrations. Um, Bensouda, a Gambian lawyer, has said she would investigate both the Israeli military as well as Palestinian armed groups, including the Gaza-based Hamas faction, which has been accused of intentionally directing attacks against civilians. Um, She condemned, um, sorry, Benjamin uh, Netanyahu, that should be apologies for this uh, typo there, condemned the ruling and said the country will protect our citizens and soldiers in every way from legal uh, persecution and he's previously called for sanctions against the court. So there we see very quickly the Israelis did not want any investigation Um, But she argued there was a reasonable basis to believe that Israeli authorities had committed war crimes by moving Israeli citizens into the West Bank to live in settlements. Under the Geneva Convention signed after the Second World War, the transfer of civilians into occupied land is prohibited. Well, this is all being reported factually by The Guardian. Um, But now we come to the crunch of it because here we are in April 2021 with the headline, Palestine uh, Palestine condemns Boris Johnson for opposing ICC Israel investigation. Uh, The prime minister accused of giving carte blanche to Israel by saying the court had no right to examine alleged war crimes. Um, So um, a very appropriate uh, picture there, I felt. But um, if we want to see what's really happening here, we have to go to Conservative Friends of Israel. And this is an immensely powerful lobby group um, which we'll be covering more on, but here and there, tweet: Prime Minister Boris Johnson has confirmed UK's opposition to ICC investigation, asserting it doesn't uh, have jurisdiction and it gives the impression of being partial and prejudicial, of being a partial and prejudicial attack on Israel. Uh, well, he'd written a letter uh, to key ministers in government: Right Honourable Stephen Crabb, Right Honourable, uh, excuse me, Honourable. Honourable Sykes and uh, President Lord Polak. And if we just have a look at this letter and bring it up on screen, we'll do this as quickly as we can. Um, Boris is saying thank you for your letters of the 10th of February, 3rd of March regarding your concerns about the International Criminal Court's ruling. I'm pleased you were able to meet with the Foreign Secretary on the 9th of March, as you're aware UK is a strong supporter of ICC in line with its founding statute. We've been working with other countries to bring about positive change at the court. This process has been driven by our ambition to strengthen the ICC, the election of two highly qualified UK nationals, Judge Corner QC and Karim Khan QC, to the roles of judge and prosecutor to the ICC, respectively, will help serve reform. This was a key priority for the UK, demonstrating our enduring commitment to strengthening the court and serving international justice. But he goes on to say that as a founder member of ICC, we have uh, been one of its uh, strongest supporters and continue to respect the, quote, independence of the institutions. We oppose the ICC's investigation into war crimes in Palestine, We do not accept that the ICC has jurisdiction in this instance, given that Israel is not a party to the Statute of Rome and Palestine is not a sovereign state. This investigation gives the impression of being a partial and prejudicial attack on a friend and ally of the UK. I hope the discussion with the Foreign Secretary helped to assuage your concerns around the UK's position And I note his offer to speak with the uh, Conservative Friends of Israel to explain the UK position in detail. Thank you once again for writing to me. And if anybody's in any doubt of the power of these organisations, then if you have a look at Conservative Friends of Israel, um, here is the pinned tweet at the moment. Conservative Friends of Israel works to support Israel and provoke conservatism. We aim to ensure, there's the word, ensure that Israel's case is fairly represented in Parliament. And uh, the pinned video is of Rishi Sunak, of course, saying that his loyalty is to all matters in Israel in the uh, present present time of crisis. And uh, it's very quickly followed up by more Uh, Members of the government speaking out on various issues, but all of them, including David Cameron at the end, expressing their loyalty to Israel. So is uh, Palestine likely to get a fair hearing at at an ICC uh, court? It doesn't appear so because the UK is going to make sure that court is controlled so that it simply has a positive uh, Israeli line. Hugely powerful think tanks, it seems to me, perverting what could be the course of justice. And this is the reality of the power of the Israeli lobby. Many people in the UK simply unaware of this power. And uh, thank you to The Guardian for helping to bring at least some of it to the surface.
1: Uh, Debbie, uh, let's move on to the Royal Family.
3: Yeah, let's. I've just been looking at a few stories surrounding the king. So I noticed this one in the Metro from a couple of days ago that says there's been a cyber attack on hospital used by the royals. Now, this is the Edward VII hospital, and apparently hackers are demanding £300,000 by tomorrow. This was a couple of days ago or else the royal family's medical records will be shared. Now I checked this morning and I haven't seen an update on this story, but I believe it's been covered by quite a few mainstream media, so keep an eye out. And also the King has renamed the Prince's Trust. So the Prince's Trust is now called the King's Trust. The Prince of Wales Charitable Fund becomes the King Charles III Charitable Fund, and the Prince's Foundation will now be known as the King's Foundation. And let's not forget, Terra Carta, which of course he's in partnership with AstraZeneca, and Astra Carta, where the royal crown seems to be professing that he has maybe declared himself king of the universe. Um, But I noticed this uh, this story in... Para, paranormality magazine, uh, which is referring to a new film, a new documentary, which was released actually on December the first, which was looking at the royal family's fascination with UFOs and crop circles. And according to this, apparently Charles um, piloted an experimental UFO in Canada in 1975. So if we go to, I, I've just done, I've just done a little screenshot where you can go and look for the the trailer or the film of this, and it's IMDb, The King of UFOs, director Mark Christopher Lee, stars Dan Costello, Mark Christopher Lee, and Nick Pope. But let's have a look at the trailer of King of UFOs. What I noticed was that this thing could cantilever at 25 degree angle, And this is when I was seeing this this ionic blue flame coming from the the nether region of the craft.
1: Yeah, and then Prince Philip, I I did send books to Prince Philip, and
0: he thanked me for all the to be. So here is somebody who could lift up the phone and say, look here, what's what's going on? Um, I want a full classified briefing, and I'm sure he would get one.
3: And um, I think Charles saved all of our lives that night.
0: You had a huge library of books and magazines. And uh, yeah, I actually one time it was revealed that uh, the Queen and and Prince Philip took a crop circle book. I think it was one of Colin Andrews' books on as, as for their summer holidays.
1: We were talking about it and, and he said, John, are you religious? I said, well, I, uh, I'm a Christian. He said, no, 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 that's not what I meant, he said uh do you take um you know are you catholic or do you go to church and etc et well not really and then, so he said well i admire you for what you're doing he said but he said don't bother he said because this is demonic this this is what this is all about demonic it's, you know ufos are demonic
3: So lots of questions to be asked there. And his book, Harmony, um, and I actually bought a copy of the book Harmony, which was written in 2010 by uh, the then Prince of Wales, looking at a new way a new way of looking at our worlds and saying basically that we're at a historic moment. I took a, a screenshot of the chapter titles within the book because I think they're quite interesting in themselves. Uh, the golden thread, nature. Um, there's lots of, uh, really lovely color pictures as well. And, um, I just took a screenshot too of page 11. Now, I don't know, gentlemen, whether you might want to read it out cause my voice is a little bit croaky.
1: Uh, well, we're not going to read it all. I mean, is, was there a section that, well, Yeah, I, 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 um, yes, I can... well,
3: let me read out a little tiny bit of it. Cause I'd like to ask our audiences, um, Really, their perception of this, there is no empirical evidence for the existence of God, so therefore God does not exist. That seems a reasonable rational argument so long as you go along with the empirical definition of God as a thing. I presume the same argument can be applied to the existence of thought. After all, no brain scanner has ever managed to photograph a thought, nor a piece of love for that matter, and it never will. So by the same terms, thought and love do not exist either. So it's interesting to see the perception there, but the book is absolutely littered with symbology, sacred geometry, um, pyramids, um, but it also highlighted this symbol, Uru, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Uru Burrus, or Ouroboros, which are originally made up of two interlocking serpents, each one consuming its own tail and symbolising the renewal that creates the unity of creation. This is used as our modern symbol for the endless loop of infinity. So a very interesting book, uh, pretty much I would say the blueprint for the sustainable goals that we're seeing today. But it's not all rosy in the Royal Garden because as Charles flew back for COP. Um, He flew back to have critical talks with uh, the Princess of Wales and the Prince of Wales over remarks in a book that had uh, named him and the Princess of Wales as questioning the colour of uh, Prince Harry's first son, Archie. Um, And so, as I say, not everything in the garden is rosy. And we've also got an MP, Bob Seeley who seems intent uh, or doesn't seem to have got anything better to do than wanting to change the law to strip the Sussexes of the titles using the My Titles Deprivation Act. So not everything in the garden is rosy for the king.
1: Oh, indeed. Um, Okay, let's uh, move on to the issue of immigration. And uh, well, James cleverly has now uh, done a deal uh, with the Foreign Minister of Rwanda uh, here's an image of them on screen. This is part of the government's plan to uh, make sure that illegal migrants uh, can be lawfully relocated in Rwanda. Uh, this is, of course, their what they call their ambition uh, to stop the boats. Um, it... Uh, Let's just have a look at some of the, the boats as, as we're talking about this. Uh, it, this is uh, uh, ahead of some new legislation, which Rishi Sunak is going to bring to Parliament, uh, which is he aims to confirm that with this new treaty, Rwanda is a safe place to send people. Uh, this, of course, is following the Supreme Court uh, judgment. And they talk about building on months of work between uh, Britain and Rwanda uh, and this new treaty responding directly to the conclusions of the Supreme Court and representing a new long-term solution. So uh, as we talk about this, you can decide for yourselves whether uh, that is the case. Uh, Now, they also say that it enhances the functions of this group, the Monitoring Committee. This is the Independent Monitoring Committee, which is supposed to be uh, ensuring compliance with the obligations in this new treaty, but that's been established for a little while Uh, in order to sort of look at what is going on around this whole Rwanda situation. Uh, This monitoring committee is also going to develop a system which will enable uh, relocated individuals and legal representatives to lodge confidential complaints directly to them. Uh, and I presume they will investigate those. And then also in Rwanda, they've set up uh, a new appeals body, uh, which is going to consist of a Rwandan and other Commonwealth national co-president uh, and be imposed of judge, or sorry, composed of judges from a mixture of nationalities. And now he's uh, getting some pushback from this group of conservatives who consider themselves more moderate, uh, and uh, they call themselves one-nation conservatives. Uh, So they are urging Rishi Sunak to uh, make sure that he doesn't throw out the baby with the bathwater, as it were, with respect to the European Court of Human Rights, the European Convention of Human Rights, rather. So uh, let's look at what uh, number 10 was pushing out. Uh, This is the action that they're taking on immigration. They're banning overseas students from bringing their families to the UK unless they're on a postgraduate research degree. They're stopping immigration, undercutting British workers, uh, and they're scrapping the 20% going rate salary discounts offered offered for shortage occupations. Uh, We'll have a look at that in a little bit more detail here. So what they're saying is that the minimum salary uh, for UK skilled worker visa Uh, that's going to increase uh, from £26,200 to £38,700. So if your job that you're going to is not going to be paying you at least £38,700 a year, you won't get the visa, is what they're saying. Uh, they're saying that uh, the minimum income requirements for a family visa are going to rise. They're going up from £18,600 to £38,700 a year. Uh, and if you don't have a combined income of that, then your family doesn't come over to uh, to, to live with you. Uh, that There's going to be a ban on care workers bringing family dependents uh, to the UK. So uh, what the effect that has on the NHS uh, remains to be seen. Uh, salary discount for shortage occupation list scrapped. So this is the idea that uh, uh, that companies that are bringing in uh, em- employees to work in particular occupations um, would be permitted to pay them 20% less than uh, the equivalent uh, UK-based or British uh, employee. Uh, and, of course, many companies have been taking advantage of that, uh, so they're going to scrap that. Uh, healthcare surge surcharges to rise. So, if you are an immigrant, you're supposed to pay uh, somewhere between six hundred and twenty four pounds a year uh, to one thousand and thirty five pounds a year extra for uh, being ha- having access to the NHS. Uh, that does not apply to care workers or NHS workers, of course. But that's going to uh, that's going to rise. Uh, and then there's going to be a review of graduate visas. Now, just to put this in perspective, uh, here is from the uh, the migration observatory the proportion of uh, Mm. people that are coming in for particular purposes. So by far and away, the largest group of immigrants uh, is for study. And of course, this is effectively subsidizing uh, UK universities. And We can see that the number of people uh, coming in uh, since 2020 or so has doubled uh, more or less. Uh, We got asked why. Uh, Then the next largest grouping is uh, people that are coming here for work. And of course, it's that grouping that are largely being targeted. The next largest uh, grouping that are coming in are humanitarian and asylum seekers, and of course, most of these people are being driven by, to this country by the wars that we are pr- prosecuting at the moment. So perhaps that's an area that we might want to look at, rather than uh, dealing with the or trying to deal with the the work situation, because that is, uh, you know, the elephant in the room here is that we have a shortage of working age. Uh, people in the country and a shortage of people to fill roles and many companies complaining about that. Now, so if you're going to deal with the immigration issue with respect to work, fine, uh, I, I could support that, but but you've got to therefore at the same time provide some kind of mechanism to get British people or people, British citizens at least uh, 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 into the workforce and train for the workforce. And of course, the government's not doing anything on that issue at all.
0: Yeah. Well- I'm cynical here. I think these are policies to appease voters. This is thinking about election. They're not actually designed to restrict immigration or stop the suffering of the migrants, which many of Mm -hmm. them, as you say, might coming from war zones.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And just to end this, I just make the point that the the mainstream media, well, the Daily Mail in particular, absolutely schizophrenic uh, on the issue as well. So on one hand, they've got this a highly emotive uh, article the migrant delivery driver making a mockery of britain's asylum system uh, and the showing video at one point i think the video is down now but uh, this guy throwing money around is clearly designed to, uh, to inflame, inflame. Uh, and on the other hand uh, we've got to feel sorry of the for for the people that can't bring their families over anymore because of the rise in uh, minimum income level so uh, the, the male trying to play with people's emotions uh, as usual and other mainstream media doing the same
0: Okay, thank you for that. Well, let's uh, just uh, turn to Ukraine, where, of course, millions of people, some of the figures suggesting that between 8 and 10 million people have left Ukraine to try and escape the war, the proxy war, which uh, NATO and the West has unleashed there. And of course, those people suffering in their migration, but also causing problems in the new host nations. Um, but we're not really hearing much about the war. Well, why not? Um, look to social media. Now, these are just some of the reports from one of the channels reporting on a daily, sometimes hourly basis, Weeb Union. Look at the headlines, multiple assaults west of bakhmut collapse of Ukraine, Ukraine-doomed winter is here. Now, in addition to that channel, there's many others, the Military Summary Channel, Rybar, Free Russia, Defence Politics, Asia, uh, Moon of Alabama, and of course you've got Colonel Douglas McGregor and Scott Ritter putting out really good commentary. But even the BBC has had to uh, admit to some of the truth now because this is from their uh, buried stories because uh, Ukraine is a problem. Ukraine war, soldier tells BBC of frontline hell. Outnumbered and outgunned, one frontline soldier has given a sobering account of Ukraine's struggle to cling onto its foothold on the east bank of the vast Tadipa River. And this is, of course, a very small foothold. It's of no real significance, but the BBC's tried to have made it at, at certain stages into a major advance. Um, but... Um, Let's look at the bottom of those headlines, which was talking about Mr. Stoltenberg, and here's the headline from Politico. NATO should be ready for bad news from Ukraine, Stoltenberg warns. We have to support Ukraine in both good and bad times. Uh, Well, what's the uh, meat of this? I've added some commentary here, so this is not entirely Politico report, but basically Ukraine has not only failed to regain territory, it has lost the war. This is the hard reality, which uh, Stoltenberg, NATO and the BBC don't want to talk about. NATO and the EU are unable to produce the ammunition Ukraine needs to continue to fight due to, quote, the fragmented state of Europe's defence industry. Uh, That quote is from Stoltenberg himself in the article. Um, US and European sanctions on Russia have completely failed. UK columns had to Add that quote because it's not in the article. Russia is currently boosting its army by 170,000 to 1. 1.3 million. That is in the Politico article. The EU and Europe is unable to work together politically to support Ukraine, um, and uh, it can't do that now or in the long term. That is not really fully explained in the political in the Politico article. And here, Ukraine and its Uh, economy has been hollowed out by horrific battlefield losses. And there we have the war migration. So this is the reality. The war is essentially over. If uh, the US and NATO and the EU would stop pumping in the weapons, that would be the end of it. But uh, critically, the US, UK and the EU know the war is over. So what is the routine now Uh, Well, we get some hints to it because it's being widely reported that the Americans are now backtracking on any more money for Ukraine to keep its economy going or the the war itself going. And Zelensky pulled out of a recent uh, meeting where he was clearly going to be asking for more money from the states. But then we have this happening. This is New York Post. Zelensky turning Ukraine into authoritarian state, just like Russia, says Kiev mayor in shocking interview. And uh, what's uh, going on here? Well, this is the West now meddling in internal Ukraine politics in order to unseat Zelensky. And if I make this really simple, uh, what we've got going on here is the US, UK, NATO and the EU starting the process of Ukraine of of regime change in Ukraine, and they are going to undermine Zelensky by what is reported in the press, stirring up trouble and causing uh, and calling for elections. and of course the overall aim is that Zelensky has to go because until he goes, uh, the uh, US, UK, NATO and the EU cannot close down that side of the war and admit defeat. Uh, but of course, you're not going to see these reports on the BBC. You will have to look to alternative media for the up-to-date and correct
1: reports. Uh, Debbie, let's end with a couple of names. Uh,
3: yeah thank you so much to Peter who sent me uh, these why is the government spying on every person in the country sounds to me like they're a bunch of paranoid conspiracy theorists who are afraid of their own citizens I agree and if we were really wrong about them they wouldn't need to censor us how true
1: indeed Uh, and you have a little bit of video uh, from COP28
3: oh I'm sorry everybody but I just had to give the last word to the one and only Bill Gates
1: I'm here in Dubai. Uh, This is COP28, a very,
0: very important meeting. Uh, The issue of health and climate uh, will be discussed at length. Uh, That's never gotten the attention it deserves. Uh, The issue of food systems and how with climate change, a lot of farmers aren't able to grow their crops, uh, which is a a tragedy for them. Uh, We'll talk about using innovation uh, to absolutely solve that problem. And a lot of great young companies are here, and the big companies will come. We'll see a lot of uh, partnerships uh, that come out of this. So it's a a good milestone in a a very big challenge.
3: What can we (laughs) to you, Mike?
0: Uh, What can we say? Truly horrible clip. Who is that man? The faster he's out of global politics, the better. I believe he's immensely dangerous. And I think many people in our chat box have got similar opinions. We better leave it there. We're going to say huge thank you to our audience today and a huge thank you to people who are supporting the UK column financially because we can only do what we do with your financial support. And we're very much looking forward to 2024 where we want to expand more And we can only do that with your ongoing support and help. So thank you very much if you're already donating or a subscriber to UK column. We'll end there. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye.